So how many of you now are confused because you just read something that says, judge one another? You're like, what does that mean? <laughs> Somebody said, yes, I am confused. Um, you know, when you, when, you, when you talk about judging, uh, you get a lot of different opinions and you get a lot of different variations. And, you know, I want to tell you this. There, is a, there are things that we are to judge and there are things that we are to not judge. And if you don't judge the things that you are to judge, you can find yourself in much trouble. And if you judge the things that you shouldn't be judging, you can find yourself in a lot of more trouble uh, in life. And, and so, you know, the, the Bible says in Romans 16 that we're to mark divisive people. Well, to, to mark a divisive person and to have nothing to do with them, you've got to make a judgment there. To say, okay, this person is divisive. First uh, John 4 says, test the spirits. You know, when somebody gets up and starts saying, hey, this is what the Lord, where the Lord says, or they begin to speak in the name of the Lord, you're, you're supposed to look and say, hey, is this person jiving with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God? Uh, Hebrews 5 says, discern good from evil. Amen? Uh, you know, if you're going to be a good parent, you better be the right judge. You know, if you come up and ask me, can your kids spend the night with me, I'm going to have to discern yes or no. But if I say no, have I just wrongly judged you because I... Am I going to let my kid stay at your house? No, I made a decision that was for the benefit and the wealth of my little girl. And uh, you, do you hear what I'm saying? You, there's decisions that need to be made. When you, when you look at the, the problem with a lot of us today is we take a word and we generalize it without breaking it apart. And the word judge is krino. I guess I said that right. Do we have a Greek expert in the place? I actually looked up and listened to the, uh, the pronunciation of it. You can do that now. And uh, it sounded like that. And, you know, hey, the Middle East, they have a lot of, you know, expectorant in their language. So, you know, hey, krino, we'll go with that. Uh, but, you know, you can take, you can, this is the word, this is the, the root word for judge in the Greek. But you can add to it and change the whole meaning of it. But still, it's interpreted in English as judge. Uh, you can take uh, anakrino means to discern. Diakrino means to decide. Uh, Kretes means judge of all. Now, who is the judge of all? God. So we don't want to be taking his place, right? We don't want to be making decisions that only God should be making uh, the decisions of. And also, krisis uh, means to judge heaven or hell. And God says that Jesus is the only one, actually, that, that, that can do that. And so there's some things that we don't want to. Then there's, let me, let me see if you understand what this word leads to. Hupokrites. Uh, does it sound like something? Hypocrite. I mean, you're a hypocrite. And that's what Jesus mainly focuses on when he talks in Matthew 7 about judging people. Now, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 5, and the Bible says a lot about judging. A lot. The word judge is used all over the Bible in many different contexts and in many different ways. And it's important that... The Bible says to study, to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing or rightly handling in some uh, versions the word of truth. Most people know three scriptures, and that's all they got. It's like they go into a firefight with three bullets, and that's all they got to go into this firefight with. And they wonder why they get, they're bleeding out going home shot full of holes, because they don't know much. And you can... If you take a scripture, you know you can take a scripture and read it word for word, but if you don't read before and after and, and, and read the entire scriptures and put it all together, you can totally miss what it's saying there. 
For instance, you know, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. But he also says in uh, John 7, 24, do not judge by appearance, but judge with the right judgment. Well, do we not judge or do we judge? And so the question is, is not do we judge or do we not judge? The question is, is what kind of judges should we be? The question is, is how do we judge correctly? How do we judge righteously and not unrighteously? How do we judge uh, in a way that's helpful and not in a way that's hurtful? How many of you realize that Jesus came to set us free and to change our lives so that we can go out and do the same for others? That we're to build a kingdom that's not, judge, that's not judged or decided or, or ran by the way we feel by the way we think and our opinions and, and the like, but we're to, to take the Word of God in His direction and say, okay, God, what do we do in each and every one of these situations? I mean, the Bible says uh, that we're not to be worldly people. So you have to make decisions. You have to make judgments. What does that mean? Where do I go? Where do I not go? So you can't, I mean, you, every five minutes we're making a decision. What we want to do as Christians is we want to make the right decision. Amen. How many of you know that when you make good decisions, when you make godly decisions, that you are uh, uh, sowing things that are going to reap blessings in your life? How many of you know when you make bad decisions, when you make ungodly, selfish decisions, that you are sowing uh, not blessings in your life? You're sowing misery and, and, and maybe discipline, uh, maybe discord, or whatever it may be. And, and so we look at 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13, and I want to explain this. The one another's, for the most part, one another's doesn't mean anybody and everybody. One another's is people that are in the family of God. One another's are, you're my brother, I'm your sister, so take me by the hand. You know, as long as we, what's, how's that go? Yeah, yeah, you know, who sang that, the Imperials? Man, if you, ain't, if, you don't know the, if you don't know the Imperials, you ain't been saved long enough, man. They rock. Yeah, you just maybe you're just too young. But, you know, the, the, that song is like back in the 80s. So, but these one another's is Jesus teaching us that, hey, you are now not a part of the worldly system. You're a part of the system of the kingdom of God. You're a part of his church and his family. And this is the way that you're to respond and care for one another. And it's different than the way we respond to people in the world. And you'll see that here in a moment. Now, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13 and this is kind of the, the wrap-up of a, of a long chapter. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. And you're thinking, man, that's pretty difficult these days. And he says, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, he says, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. And there's only two ways I know to get out of this world, suicide or a rocket ship. I mean, that's the only two ways I know to go, and I'm not interested in any one of them. He says, but I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. Now, I want you to see that right there. Bears the name of brother. That word, when you take that mantle upon yourself, it changes everything. It changes your identity. Uh, I got a book right now I'm supposed to read. Roberta, Roberta got me, and it's, it's a, I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically about who you are in Christ. Because until you understand who you are, your identity, your rights, your privileges that we receive through grace and through faith and believing upon Jesus Christ, you can, be really, you can really cut yourself short 
as a child of God, not understanding who you are. And Satan can continue to rob you and to deprive you of things that Jesus wants to instill in your life. But when we become brother, it's like we live in a new system. We live in a new world. We live in a new realm of thinking. And it says, But I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is in idolatry. Now, sexual immorality, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, these are sexual immorality. You know, we live in a world that's twisted today. They don't understand what sexual immorality is. If you ain't married and you're having sex, it's sexual immorality. That's what that is. Um, Greed. What is greed? It's pretty much the opposite of what we're very adamant about around here, being generous and giving and, and giving to people and meeting the needs. I mean, the Bible says that, you know, if you see your brother in need, you know, how can you close off, you know, the, it says the bowels of your compassion towards him. How can you do that and say that the love of God is in you? Uh, an idolater. I, I don't think anybody has an Ashtaroth pole in their house, do they? I mean, I haven't seen one. But, you know, we can put, you know, and uh, that's really not an issue today because in this day and time, you know, this was in, in Greece. There were people that had, man, they had multiple gods. They even had a god to an unknown god. They had an idol to him. And Paul says, hey, I know this unknown God. His name is Jehovah God. He says, y'all need to know him and get rid of all these other gods. Uh, A reviler, someone who goes around just busting chops and bad backbiting people and bad-mouthing people and all those things. You know, it says, have nothing to do with them. It says, don't even eat with them. A drunkard. And this is a big technicality because, hey, I believe drinking in moderation is totally okay. Paul goes into a long discourse about it. But, hey, drunkenness is drunkenness. And it's wrong. And it's wrong. When are you drunk? When you start saying and doing stupid, ungodly things. That's when you're drunk. When you start hitting on other people's wives instead of your own. When you start making decisions that are not conducive to what Christ wants you to be like. When you're out there risking, you know, doing, I mean, getting put in jail and driving, and, and if your blood alcohol, I guess, is too high. You know what I'm saying? You know, because what, ha- what do we, when, we, when we're doing the wrong thing, we've got to justify it. We've got to figure out, you know, uh, the... The, the angles, the loopholes. I mean, people are about loopholes, right? How can I not pay the IRS, IRS as much? How can I do this? But what that shows is it shows the condition of a heart that is not where it needs to be. Because is that, is that what this is about, this walk that we have with the Lord, about getting over on God anything that we can? and do? No, because you can't anyway. I mean, God knows, God knows our hearts. God is, and this is where we can't judge. We can't judge the... The, the purposes and, the, and, the, and the, the reasons that people do things in their heart, but God knows our hearts. But see, God, God put us like in a perfect system of, of, of balances and, and weights to, to where he puts us in a situation where we're, we can't fool him, and honestly, when we're truthful with ourselves, we can't fool ourselves either when it, when it comes down to the matter. It says, or a swindler, somebody who lies and cheats and, Gets money out of people. You know? And, 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 and it happens. And, you know, the Bible says that as a, we're responsible for one another as a family. If you have a need and you're a giver, I am responsible for you. I am accountable to you. If I don't take care of you, I'm a bad pastor, and I've got a whooping waiting for me, I'm sure, because, you know, this is, this is what I'm to do as a shepherd. But you know what? We need to honor one another, and we need to make sure that we do things the way the Bible says, and we shouldn't swindle or, or, or lie or cheat 
our brothers and sisters out of money or whatever it may be. We need to do things with the utmost integrity. We need to, the Bible says, here's, and I believe this, Dad believes this, he taught it to me and I believe it because I've seen it when it was done the other way, not work. The Bible says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. In other words, if you give something to somebody, just give it to them and leave it at that because, you know, whatever they do it, they do with it. But what happens is we, we, we loan somebody money and then if everybody knows about it, that person feels condemned. And if they can't pay it back, then they feel like a jerk. And then they leave the church because they feel so condemned. Here's the deal. You give somebody something, you say, hey, this is yours. You owe me nothing. You owe me no interest. Just take it. And when you have an opportunity to bless somebody, you bless somebody. You see how that works out? Then there's no, there's no arrangement. There's no hand-holding and pledge, which Proverbs says, go beg your way out of it if you've done that. You know, don't give up your cloak as collateral. It's just give. Give. If you see somebody in need, you got it, just give it to them. Because faith says, hey, I'm going to bless this guy right now, and then when I have a need, God's going to take care of me. It's not, I'm, I'm only going to be okay if this person gives me back what I gave them. That's not how that works. The Bible says, I mean, and Dad were talking the other day, you know, the Bible says that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. And glory is another word for heaven. And, and the Bible talks about we store up our treasures where? In heaven. So it's not just, it's not just going to heaven, but this, this applies to now. And this is the way we need to live. And so Paul says these people are the people that we need to, you know, not fellowship with. But, and I'll go to a little bit further, because you don't want to turn this into a big witch hunt, right? That's the worst thing that could happen. So it's not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? You're like, wow, that goes against most people's thinking. God judges those outside. It says, purge the evil person among you. And everybody's like, well, who's supposed to make this decision? <laughs> and the whole point of this letter was they just had a guy that was sexually immoral. They were, instead of confronting him, they were rejoicing, thinking, look, we're more gracious than any other churches, and we're awesome. And Paul's saying, you guys are knuckleheads. And y'all, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Who else said that? Jesus. There is no church healthy enough that it can sustain a little bit of leaven. There is no believer healthy enough as a Christian, strong enough as a Christian, that you can sustain for a long period of time with a little bit of leaven. Because leaven and worldliness and sin will come in, and it only brings death, and it only brings corruption. And before you know it, you will be blind and not have a clue to what's going on around you. And so we as people, we are to healthily judge one another, but not in any and every circumstance. What, what we're supposed to do here, because the, the situation here called for a guy that was doing something that was damaging the whole community of the church, the church was to rise up and say, hey, we're not going to do this. But the whole intent was that that guy repented and came back into the fold and that everybody was restored because that's where Jesus wants us to be. And so, but today, we say, judge not lest you be judged. We go around quoting this, and we apply it. But here's the deal. You cannot even wake up and go to bed without making a thousand judgments in a day. But the thing is, is are you doing it righteously, or are you doing it wrongfully? Because either way, it's going to hurt you tremendously. And also in this situation, if you see somebody drunk, you don't just kick them out of the church. You go to Matthew 18, and it says, this is the process. If you see your brother in sinner, if he sins against you, you go to him one-on-one. -on -one. Why? 
because you're doing everything you can to bring this person to repentance and restoration to where he can be restored, the church can be good to go, and everybody's okay. And the fewer people involved, the better. I'm going to tell you this, people. The less I know, the better off I am. I do not go looking for stuff to mess with because it falls in my lap. You know, the Bible says that your sins will find you out. And I used to grow, I, I grew up thinking, man, how does, how does this happen? It's because people can't keep their mouth shut. And a lot of times it's your own self. A lot of times we give our own self up. Not even knowing. We say things because we are so, so, uh, so conscious. I mean, we're, our conscience is so conscious of what we're doing that we, we, we just confess on ourselves and we tell things. And everybody's got that one person they trust, and that person has somebody that they trust, and then that person has somebody they trust. So you tell the person you trust, they tell the person they trust, they tell the person they trust, and one of them's going to trust me somewhere down the line, and they're going to go to the pastor and say, let me tell you something. I, now, don't tell nobody this, but I have a rule. Don't tell me something that I'm going to have to biblically respond to that I can't do nothing about because it don't happen that way. I'm going to obey Jesus more than I am man. I'm going to be afraid of God more than I am of you because you don't, you know, ultimately you don't, you don't take care of my needs and all that stuff and have anything to do with my eternal security. So you don't have the clout. So Matthew says this is the way you go through. So, but here's the deal. If your brother sins against you, you've got to make a judgment. This guy just sinned against me to go deal with it. And then you have to judge if he repented or not. You know, and, and what if he repents? And you, buy, you better forgive him or you'll find yourself in another bind. You see, Jesus, Paul says that we need to make every effort to have a clean conscience with God and man. Because the love that we walk in with the Father is the same love that we walk with the community and the body of believers. And all this is to be, it's, it's, I mean, I hate to use this word because we don't, we're not get, getting to heaven by being square per se. But God, after we come to Jesus, we are to be square with him and people. We are to walk in a way where our conscience is not violated. We need, we need to be able to lay down in bed at night and not by our feelings and our own justification the way we feel, but we should be able to read the Word of God and say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing what God has asked me to do right now. But when we read the Word of God and we're not doing what it says, then we need to say, okay, God, I need to repent and go back to where I had fallen and do the works that I had once done. And so people love to say this, don't judge me, you know, when, you, when, when they're confronted and, you know, and then the, another part, term that people, I mean, they even get tattoos of it, you know. Don't judge me. And, you know, and, and there is some truth to the fact only God can judge you. I mean, and actually only Jesus is the one that's going to be able to sit there and say, you're going to heaven and you're going to hell based upon the decision that we made. But people, they really don't use that correctly. But also, they're not approached correctly most of the time. It's usually wrong on both sides. The term that people love to say today is, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. Who's perfect in here? If you don't raise your hand, because I'll have to say you're wrong in front of everybody. But, you know, we're, we're not perfect. We are, we are saved, redeemed people by the work of Jesus Christ. But are we new people? Is our hearts different? If you're saved, it is. Is your mind different? Now, are we all at different levels of life? We're all maturing and all that. But what happens is, once again, that justifier kicks in. And I love it when people come up to me for counseling and they, they want to stress to me that I know that they're not perfect. Not that I didn't know that already. But what they usually doing is they're saying, look, uh, I'm a Christian, but I want you to know I'm not perfect. I'm a habitual adulterer. Or I stay drunk every day. 
You know, that stumbling thing. I stumble like every day. You know what I mean? You know, Jesus talks about stumbling. As a Christian, you're going to stumble. But there's a difference between stumbling and getting up and repenting on and then just making a daily choice to do this. And this is, and, and what happens is we, we, every one of us have something that we're dealing with that the Holy Spirit is trying to sanctify us from. And it has to do with the experiences we go through day in and day out uh, of God trying to reveal them to us and God trying to uh, work it out of us. But what happens is, is, is when, when we're walking with the Lord and we're fighting it, you're good to go. But where it gets dangerous is this, is when you say, you know what, this is just a part of my life. I'm going to go build a church small group around it. Hello, everybody, come to my house. We're going to have a get drunk small group in the name of Jesus this weekend, and I want everybody to be a part of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we, when we say, when we accept it, when we just, when we quit putting, you know, the, the, this is a fight we're living, people. Satan is out to cause us to stumble, but the reason we stumble is because we're not looking and because we're not, we're not heeding the words of the people that care for us and love us around us. It, the Bible says that the word of God is a light unto my path. Amen? So shine some light in front of you so you can see where you're going. So Satan, can't, Satan is trying to dally you like a cowboy around the ankles with a rope. He's trying to cause you to stumble. And we have to see. We can't. And if, and if everybody around us is blind, then how in the heck are we going to see where the heck we're going? But what happens is when we come to a point in our life where we say, you know what, this is just a part of my life, I accept it. When we begin to build community around it, that's where the Bible says you've got to step in. Because the leaven is affecting the whole lump. That's when. You know, so, so this isn't about no, everybody's perfect except a few people. No, it's about, hey, there's got to be accountability in the household of God. There can't be acceptance of things. Here's once again, not things that I don't like, not things that you don't like. Hey, if it was up to me, it would be ungodly to wear a flat bill cap, right? But that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. I'd have to kick Jeremiah out of the church. You know? <laughs> but that's, and this is, this is where judgment becomes wrong. We begin to make decisions and, 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 and ideas on what we like and what we don't like. But what it is is to right, rightly judge things is to judge things by what God says is right and what is wrong. And so ultimately, we're not the ones making the decision. It's God making the decisions, and then we're just carrying them out the way he commands us to do so. And also, when people, another thing that we have to be careful of is that when people has a past, how many of you got a past? I got a past. You know what? I was a drunk. I was a whoremonger. I was an adulterer. I was a liar. I was a thief. I was everything. I broke all the commandments one way or another. But you know what? There's a new me. And so, for, and so if we looked at each other, if we have to realize when people get saved, they're a new creation. They're forgiven. We need to forgive them too and move on. I don't care what they've done. I'm very open about I've, I've cheated on my wife. She's cheated on me. But we don't do that anymore because God has forgiven us and we're restored and we've moved on. So that has no bearing on me. I don't give a flip what you think about it. All right? I mean, that, that's not something that we do anymore. And that's something, too. You can't look at a person and judge them off their past. So we don't want this to be a, you don't want this to be a witch hunt because the, the person that wrongfully judges is out for a witch hunt. The person that wrongfully judges is out to hurt people. The person that wrongly judges people is they're mad because they, they're messed up and they want to make other people look worse than them so they can feel good about 
the little bit of wrong that they think that they're doing when in actuality they have a whole log in their eye and they're just going around picking toothpicks out of other people's. So it becomes a problem when it affects community. Leaven. And, then not, and, and once again, no one's perfect. But you know what? Don't, don't get in the habit of justifying your st- just a, a wayward lifestyle, a backslidden lifestyle. Say, I'm not paying. Repent. Go back. Stand up and move on. Amen? So how do we judge correctly? So, Matthew 7, 6, 7, 1 through 6, it says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, that there is, when there is a log in your own eye? You, you uh, what's that word? Hypocrites. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So the point here is to help one another. The point here is to help one another, to, to speak into one another's lives so that they will be healed and restored and that they will not be struggling anymore. But who, first and foremost, who should we judge? Who should we deal with? We should judge ourselves. You should judge yourself all the time. You should wake up saying, Lord, where am I at right now? You know, people, they get into bad situations. This is something Dad taught me. There's always more than one reason why something could be going on in your life. Sometimes it might just be your fault. Sometimes it might be the fault of those around you. Sometimes it just might be a test that you just got to get through. But for goodness sake, when you're going through life, if you're having financial problems, ask yourself, am I doing what God has financially asked of me? If you're having marital problems, ask yourself, am I doing what God has asked me in my marriage? If you're having problems with your kids, you know, ask yourself, am I doing what God's asked me to do with my kids? You've got to learn how to, do, how to, how to uh, diagnose what's going on in your life. And if you just can't figure it out, then you just need to pray and you need to figure it out. But, you, but, you know, because here's the deal. Kids, it says that when they grow old, when they grow old, but see, you know, we, you know, we, we don't have patience. We're like, we want good kids right now. Well, you do what you're supposed to do right now so that at least by the time they grow old, they won't turn from what the Word of God says. But what we do, because of our lack of faith, we're like, well, I whooped them one time in my whole life and it didn't work. Well, God's a liar, I guess. Let's throw the Bible and burn it. It's no good to us. No good, of no use. My talking is totally just mere words. What's the point of reading this? I mean, what are y'all here for? Y'all here for a comedy show or to hear a life-changing word of God that's going to actually do something in your life? I mean, it's either good or it's not. So we have to go to the word to say, hey, what is, is it that God wants to do in my life? So Jesus is saying here that ultimately we're to be helpful to one another, correct? We're to help one another. But how many of you realize the difference between a critical person and a person that's actually loving trying to speak into somebody's lives? Like I say, the person with a log in their eye running around trying to help people with the specks in theirs, they're the critical person saying, man, I've got I to gotta make you look bad so that I look good. They're looking for stuff. These are the people that are on the witch hunt. These are the people that are looking. It says, you know, he sees it because he's looking hard. You see, Paul says up here, he says, don't be looking for something in everybody's lives. He said, but when it becomes something that's affecting the whole community, deal with it. 
Because, hey, if we just want to get the shovels out, we'll find something on everybody, I'm sure. And that's, that's not what we want to do. We want to, give every, we want to give everybody, you know, God's a graceful God. You want to know how graceful He is? We're all still alive, amen? He loves us. God has a hope for us. God has a plan for us. God wants us to step into that. And He's given us the grace to attempt this plan. He's given us the room and the leeway and the mercy to begin to pursue what He wants for us in our lives. And we need to continue to do that. But also, Paul says we need to be patient with one another. We need to endure one another. We need to love one another. And as long as everybody's staying within the very loose guideline protocol of the church, then we're good to go. We're not supposed to go around hanging each other and burning each other and backbiting each other and reviling one another and, and, and harming one another. Because here's the deal. If you got an issue with a person, you'd be talking to that person anyway, not everybody else. You should keep your mouth closed and go deal with it. I've, I've had people come to me a thousand times after I've told them a thousand times. If you've got a problem, somebody go to it. But they always want to come to me to make sure that they're doing it right. All they're wanting to do is they want me to know. They want me to be on their side. They want, you know, they want the man to be on their team. I ain't on nobody's team, all right? I'm on Jesus' team, okay? I'm on the church's team, but you're not going to individually, you know, henpeck me or whatever you're trying to do to manipulate me into a situation because I've been down this road before. I know how people work. I know there's your side of the story and their side of the story. And, and you know, the, the, what you're supposed to do is work it out as brothers and sisters. And the goal of any confrontation is restoration. If your goal is just to make them wrong when you're right, then you've lost, you might as well quit, do whatever you've got to do, but it's not going to turn out the way that God intended to work in your life. So we're, we're to not judge hypocritically. We're not to judge critically. We're not to judge uninformed. And I'll read a scripture about that. But Romans 2, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, do the very same things. It says, we know that judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So he says that God rightly spanks the hindies of those who wrongfully judge. Dang. You know, some of you, your life is not as pleasant as it could be because you're wrongfully judging. So, I'll say even this, I believe there's people in, in graveyards today because they did not submit to what the Word of God said because they were critical hearted they were hateful and all they did was they 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 were yeast that that made the they were the yeast that just made the the mess you know there's just some people in life they go around carrying a big spoon and all they like to do is stir it up they just like to cause trouble and they like to cause misery because they're not happy and they don't want anybody else to be happy neither and i'll tell you what it will ruin your stinking life you know god says choose joy choose life that you might live and we have to continue. So you see, God has put us in a circumstance to remind us of the circumstance he has saved us from. God is every, every little thing that we do, every relationship we have is a mirror of the relationship we have with God. Is an opportunity to respond the way that Christ responded to us. The way that this life, this new life that we have taken on is supposed to work out. But Paul says here, don't expect to wrongfully judge somebody and it's going to turn out. He says, no, God will rightly deal with you and bring judgment upon you in this lifetime. 
And also, we're storing it up. I mean, he says in another passage, it says we're storing it up. So we're to be helpful to one another, not hurtful. We're not to, we're not to judge hypocritically. We're to, we're to evaluate our lives before we speak into a brother's lives because the, the Bible says that we're to, we're, to, we're to encourage one another. We're to admonish one another. We're to correct one another when it's, when it's time to do that. You know, one time there was a preacher out in front of the church and he, uh, he was preparing his notes for the sermon and he had a little white pencil. And as he was taking the notes, he put the pencil in his mouth and one of the deacons walked out of the church and looked in the car and there's this preacher with a little white pencil in his mouth. And boy, he took off and went and found all the other deacons and told them, said, man, the preacher is smoking outside. Oh. And so before church, you know, they brought the preacher in and, and, and they said, look, you know, we got, you know, such and such happening. We just, we are all disappointed in you that you were smoking. And he pulls the pencil out of his pocket and he said, no, I was taking notes. See, that right there is when we get into trouble. That right there is when we begin to assume, when we begin to speculate, when there is no, no evidence. You see, there's, I, I have, I'm going to be straight up with you on this. I have plenty of opportunities to assume and speculate. And then there's just times when the Holy Spirit says, yeah, this is going on. But until the leaven shows up, I can't do nothing about it because I have to have evidence. And so I have to just leave it alone and pray, God, please speak into this situation, these people's lives or whatever. But most of the time, people just come up and tell me what's going on. <laughs> that's, that's, usually, that's usually the case. Uh, but, you know, the, so the smoking preacher, you know, I, I hate this. You know, I got, I got, I got uh, two women in my house that shop at Victoria's Secrets. And every time I go to that mailbox, there's like 30 magazines. Man, they, them people spend some money on paper. That means they're making a lot of money on their clothes. But, but you know, I, I feel so awkward when I go to the mailbox and I got like three Victoria's Secrets catalog in my hand walking across the parking lot. I'm like, you know, somebody's going to show up, drive up, wanting counseling while I'm checking the mail. And they're like, man, I like all them catalogs you got there. <laughs> so what I do is I run from the mailbox. I run, I look, I run to the office and I just throw them in the garbage. Because first, I don't want to be caught with the Victoria's Secrets, and I don't want them to see what the latest sales are. So, <laughs> But they find out anyway. <laughs> so, you know, we... Jesus, once again, said, do not judge by appearance, but judge with a right judgment. You can't speculate. You can't assume. What happens, we see something that we think... Or it has nothing to do with what God says is right. It violates what we think is right. Then we go to talking about it. Then we go to causing trouble. Then we start stirring the pot. And then we start paying, uh, you know, the wages thereof because we are reaping what we are sowing. You know, I said a while ago about a past judgment. Can, you know, when we judge somebody off their past, we can destroy a great testimony. When you judge somebody off their past, you can, you know, we don't, we don't need to dig up people's past. We need to say, man, look what God has done in this person's life. There's nothing greater to see what God can do in marriages and in people's lives with addictions and people that are saved. And the next day, they turn a new leaf called being born again. And you're like, wow. We're to be sharing each other's testimonies and what God has done in our life. Not going, man, you can't believe, you know. Hey, if you're going to say something, say this. Say, man, you ain't nothing like you used to be. If you're going to say something, say it like that, because that's good. That's, that's saying, hey, Jesus has done something in your life. But don't go around saying, man, you should have, you know, this is what they did. They must still be that same way. 
That's the problem with everybody. We were all a certain way until Jesus found us. But Romans 14, 1-4 says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, and while the weak person eats only vegetables. Notice there, he calls him the weak person. It says, Let not the one who eats despises the one who abstains. He says, And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. It says, For God has welcomed him. It says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of one another? It is therefore his own master that stands or falls, and he will be held, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And so, Paul's saying here, don't judge on opinions. There's, there's, things, there's things that the Bible's very clear about. And then there's things that the Bible's clear about, but it's still left to your conscience. Such as, you're going to be a vegetarian? A weak vegetarian? <clears throat> but no. It says you're going to be a vegetarian, you're going to eat meat or whatever. What? What is it that the Holy Spirit's telling you? Okay? Now, I could be stupid and say, you know what, Christy, I thought the Holy Spirit's telling me that I can have another wife. And I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to ladies' night tonight and find me another lady. So, you know what I mean? That's, that's foolishness. And I've seen people do stuff that's stupid. And you look at them and go, you're a nut. And they go, whatever, I'm just going to do it anyway. But, but, you know, there's a lot of things that we go around. And he, and he talks about, uh, where it talks about judging people and causing them to stumble, it's because you're putting obstacles in their way that God didn't even intend for them to be there. About what you can eat and what you can drink and all these other silly little things that really have nothing to do with the greater good of the kingdom of God. God tells us what's unacceptable. And that's the only thing that's unacceptable. Like I said, if there's things that you don't like, and God doesn't give a flip about them, then your opinion doesn't matter. Okay? So don't judge on that issue and don't cause trouble Make right decisions based upon the Word of God. Do what the Word of God says, and everything will turn out all right. But the thing of it is this, is what is the motive of our hearts? Because we're actually called to respond in certain things. We're called. This isn't an issue of just deal with things when you want to. It's, hey, don't do this, but in these situations, do this. So there's the sin of omission here, and there's the sin of commission. There's the sin of me doing something that I shouldn't do, and there's the sin of me not doing what God has called me to do. That's called the sin of omission. You understand that, right? See, a lot of people just think sin is just doing bad stuff. No, sin is not doing good stuff, too. But, but God is calling us here and showing us through these scriptures, and like I said, there's way more than what I shared with you today about how we should live our lives. But we need to be righteous judges. We need to love people. We need to not be critical, and we need to judge ourselves. And we need to make sure that we have a clear, a clear conscience with God. We need to make sure that we have a clear conscience with man. Because we have an objective here, and it's not to make us look good. If we need to do anything to ourselves, we need to look, make ourselves look lower so that Jesus can be lifted higher in our life. Amen? That is our objective. That is what we are to do. So we, and, and don't, we need to know more than one scripture so that we don't walk around like an ignorant believer saying stupid stuff. When we open our mouths, we need to say, hey, this is what the Word of God says, and this is what I'm going to do. You know, the Word of God even teaches us when to shut our mouth. There's some people, let's go back. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to you, attack you. Now, you realize these two, these two scriptures were right after Jesus talking about 
wrongly judging people. And you know what? He's saying this. He's saying, look, if you don't know how to use the good things of God, don't expect them. If you don't know how to show grace to other people, don't expect much grace from God. If you don't know how to show kindness and mercy from, to people, don't expect God to waste it upon your actions that you show to other people. It's in the same dang paragraph. Same dang context. He's saying, hey, when you're a good steward of God and His Word and His grace and His love and His vision and His will and His kingdom, God is going to supply you with what you need to make it happen. Amen? So everybody bow your head and close your eyes. We have zero minutes left. You know, my deal is this. is I want you to know that God has given us authority to make decisions to be blessed. Amen? Amen? God has given us authority to make the right decisions in life to be blessed. And God has given us authority to make decisions in life that are going to be helpful, not hurtful to other people. And if you want to be hurtful and critical, then you're just going to have to pay the consequences of it. But God wants us to be builders. God wants us to be graceful, merciful people who are out there doing what he has called us to do. And that's what we need to do. And so today, I just, you know, I just want to take a few, just a few moments. To, you know, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? You know, some of you right now, you're paying for wrongfully judging people. Some of you right now are just, you're just, you were just enlightened to say, hey, there's some things. That, some of you are guilty of the sin of omission because you're not standing up where the Word of God says, hey, this is what you need to do. And then some of you are just guilty of the sins of, 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 of commission, doing things you shouldn't be doing. But you know what? This is all God wants. God wants you to agree with Him in His Word. God wants you to walk with Him. God wants you to be blessed so that all those around you will be blessed as well. And so while every head bowed and every eyes closed, I want to ask you something. Who today did the Holy Spirit speak to during this message? Just lift your hands. Several people all over the audience. What are you going to do about it? You know, here's the thing. This Bible was given to us not to bring death or condemnation on us. It's to bring life to us. You know what? I want to see you have life. I want to see you happy. I want to see you joyful. I don't want to see you critical and down and broken. I want to see you smiling. I want to see you when you come in here next Sunday thinking, God is good and he is so good to me and he does great things in my life and I trust him in each and every way. But whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, I want you, as everybody just stands and Sharissa leads us in a short version course, come today and respond to what the Holy Spirit said. Don't be proudful. Don't be hard-headed. Respond.